Welcome to Data Hack Radio. In this podcast, we talk to various data science leaders and data science practitioners about their work and their journey. This is Kunal, your host for Data Hack Radio. I started Analytics Vidya about five years back, and in these five years, we have gone to become one of the largest data science community. During this journey, I learned a lot from various data science leaders through my interactions with them. For example, back in 2013. one of the mentors i had was discussing about top 3 priorities while running his organization and one of the top things uh, in his mind at that time was how machines would interact with each other in future and this was 2013 at that time the term data science itself was uh, getting mainstream so at that time i couldn't understand why machine to machine interactions would be so high in someone's mind over the coming years it became apparent to me why he was thinking about machine to machine interactions so early compared to rest of the world it is insights and perspectives like these which we'll share through data hack radio in this episode we will talk to anthony goldblum anthony is co-founder and ceo of kaggle He has been cited as one of the 30 under 30 in technology twice in a row by Forbes magazine. He was also named one of the top 35 innovators under the age of 35 by MIT Tech Review. We are excited to have Anthony on this episode. Thanks Anthony for uh, taking time out for uh, this interaction and I am really excited to uh, talk to you I've been wanting to talk to you for quite a long time I don't know how much you know about analytics with there but basically it's a community of analytics and data science professionals which uh, I started back in 2013 uh, as a blog and over time uh, we have grown organically into a community which has interactions with uh, uh, community members across various career needs and knowledge needs which includes uh, you know reading day to day blogs or participating in uh, competitions meetups webinars uh, so anything which uh, commu- uh, which can help community learn better or uh, become better at data science that's what we do and and while people are doing that on the platform we kind of uh, build their profile at the back end so uh, so that's kind of uh, what we do at analytics with there and uh, you know you you have been an inspiration in, in in a lot of ways uh, uh, how kaggle has panned out uh, so this interview means a lot uh, especially to me and and i'm sure the community would uh, love this interaction as well yeah thanks it's very nice of you to say <laughs> great so let me start with uh, you know uh, uh, having a few questions about yourself how kaggle started so uh, so if you can tell us a bit about yourself your background how kaggle started and then how uh, when did how and when did you decide to move from melbourne to uh, san francisco yeah sure um so uh, my first job i was trained uh, i always say that most people who work in data science um no either statistics or programming um in my case i was trained as a statistician or an econometrician i went to melbourne university in australia mm-hmm. um but i was a hobbyist programmer so i had a little bit of both interesting um my first job out of college was at the australian treasury uh mm-hmm. so this is forecasting gdp inflation uh, unemployment all the kinds of things that the australian government mm-hmm. uh, cares about Um but in 2008 I won an internship at the Economist magazine in London. Mm-hmm. Um and I I pitched a piece to my editor about predictive analytics or predictive modeling. It wasn't called data science or machine learning or none of those terms were really in wide use then. Right. Um um so I pitched an article about predictive analytics and uh, my editor said I could write it and you know I'd call people up and say Hey, it's Anthony Goldblum from the Economist. I'd like to interview X, Y, Z, and I got to learn a lot about the industry from doing that. Um, and I, I felt like I was a good statistician, a good programmer. If I could have a chance on some of these problems, I thought I would do a nice job. Uh, but I knew if I contacted uh, the same people, not as Anthony from the Economist, but as you know, just a random person, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have necessarily had the opportunity. 
Um, and so that was the idea. Kaggle started out as competitions. We do more than that now. Um, but we started out, you know, taking problems from companies, putting them up on our website uh, and having any statistician or data scientist compete to build the best solution. Got it. And uh, in the journey, uh, you know, Kaggle has been through uh, a few pivots. So uh, it started as a competition portal. And while that has stayed uh uh you know there was a time when you were focusing on a few industry verticals and then uh, you know recently there has been a lot of work on developing a collaboration platform uh, very much similar to uh, or uh, something on the lines on what github uh, is what is your current vision and and where do you want to take kaggle from here as you said kaggle started out as machine learning competitions mm-hmm. um, but we always knew we wanted to expand beyond um, mm-hmm. and to become a a larger and larger part of data scientists' lives. And so, um, like a lot of companies, um, we've experimented with um, different business models and different approaches. Um, we ultimately, though, want to be the place where um, data scientists and machine learners do all of their work. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, the place where they come, um, not just for competitions, but to do their projects, to find data sets. Um, so, if you look at Kaggle today, uh, we have really four main uh, parts of the site. Um, The first is um, competitions, obviously. The second is Kaggle Kernels, which is a workbench that allows people to run their R and Python in the cloud. Um, You know, they can have CPUs or they can get GPU. We also have GPU support. Um, uh, And it makes it very easy, um, you know, kind of like Microsoft Word to Google Docs. the things you can do um, with your uh, compute in the cloud it allows um, our community to do far, far, far more powerful things and share them more easily. Um, you're not restricted to what you have on your uh, laptop, and we make it very easy to use cloud-based um, technologies. So Kaggle Kernels, we're hoping, becomes you know the place where data scientists uh, do all their projects, their work projects, their personal projects, um, and it's becoming a richer and richer and more and more powerful um, uh, data science workbench. Um, we also have a public data platform. So today, if you want to find a data set on a given subject, you know, you Google around and it takes, you, you look at this website and that website. Um, we're aiming for Cable's public data platform to be the one place where you find all your data sets. You know, any data set on any topic that you're interested in that's available publicly, we, we hope to have on on uh, the Kaggle data platform. Um, and then finally, we have Kaggle Learn. And Kaggle Learn is it's our education um, to get uh, data scientists started on Kaggle um, or full stop. Um, it's a bit different from some of the, you know, Udacity and Coursera and DataCamp. Um, those are all um, education platforms that give... Uh, you know, big, long course, whereas what Kaggle Learn is trying to do is very quickly get you up to speed on a certain subject. So if you want to learn about deep learning, I want to give you the, the tools to get started and then you can go off and do a Kaggle project. Uh, so the, the idea is it's meant to be focused on very, very quickly getting the basics and uh, helping you with much more hands-on learning. Um, and so those are the those are the areas uh, that Kaggle is currently strong in um, or or focused on. Um, and actually, it's not well known. Although we're most famous for competitions, um, competitions is about a, a third of activity on Kaggle, and and the other three areas are, are really growing quickly and becoming a bigger and bigger part of um, of Kaggle. And as I said, the long term vision is for for uh, you know data scientists starting work, starting a research project. Um, doing a hobby project, the Kaggle is the first place they log into in the morning and the last thing they shut down at night. That mm-hmm. We're the place where, where data science gets found. Interesting. So uh, I think there are a couple of very interesting things you mentioned. Uh, one was, you know, comparing uh, Kaggle kernels to, uh, with analogy where you said that it's like moving from uh, Microsoft Word to to cloud. So I'll, that's an interesting analogy. Actually, in my mind, it's even more powerful because, you know, in case of Word, you're not uh, you typically don't have huge compute requirements, yeah. uh, whereas in this case, having a, a, a cloud-based system uh, kind of uh, uh, enables you a lot more. I'd say that's exactly right. Um, when you move from Word to the cloud, the main benefit you get is smoother collaboration. Okay. Um, um, when you move from on-premise data science machine learning to, to 
data science, machine learning in the cloud, you get both smoother collaboration and you also get um, the ability to scale up or down your compute. And I think what you're saying is exactly right, that um, compute, that data science workloads are, are bursty. Sometimes you don't need a lot of power and sometimes you do. And you want to be able to size up and down the power, the power you have available very easily. And you can't do that on your laptop and you can do that on, a, on the cloud. I think your, your comment there is spot on. Interesting. So I'll, I'll uh, uh, take up each of these kind of products in a bit more detail. But uh, before that, you know, uh, one of the places I was reading, you mentioned that uh, uh, at some point Kaggle uh, will come out with a commercial product for having collaboration in data science teams and sharing solutions. Uh, is that is that something which we can expect in uh, in coming days or, or it's, it's sometime far in the future? Yeah, the way Kaggle launches products isn't that we do a huge launch, but we launch functionality incrementally. Mm -hmm. um, and I would already say that for um, a certain number of commercial use cases, we already have what teams need. Um, and by that, I mean um, we have private kernels, we have private data sets, so you can load data sets in privately that mm -hmm. are only seen by your collaborators, um, and you can uh, uh, have them only shared with um you know, the, the kernels only shared with the collaborators you want to um, share with. So I would say we already have the basic functionality uh, to mm -hmm. support that. Um, over time, we'll be adding in more and more and more. So, um, you know, um, we have organisational accounts, but we don't have a way for a company to uh, sort of add, you know, to administer uh, Kaggle for their organization, as an example. Um, so that's something that needs to get built. Um, we don't have, there's a lot of things we don't have yet um, uh, that a lot of commercial users would need. Th those will be rolled in uh, over time. And, and um, with every launch that we do, um, our addressable market becomes bigger, right? We have features then that cater to a wider, you know, a larger and larger percentage of the potential uh, customers or users. In your product roadmap journey, how are you thinking about it? Because, you know, when I compare it to some of the other workbench solutions which are out there, they typically try and make things simpler for the end user, which, uh, uh, for example, they would add a GUI interface. Whereas, you know, your, uh, if I look at the current users on Kaggle and, and uh, how they interact with the platform, it's, uh, I mean, people actually enjoy having access to uh, ability to code and uh, having C access to, let's say, a terminal kind of things. So what's, what's your thought on that? Because, uh, you know, traditionally, when people have tried to open up the markets, they've, they've gone down the route of making it more user-friendly on, on the business side, uh, so to say. Yeah, at least for now, um, we ha we don't have plans um, to um, uh, make Kaggle any easier um, yeah. with a GUI-based interface. Um, mm -hmm. Really, it's focused on people who are um, good with R and Python, at least for now. Um, we, we believe there is plenty of growth uh, mm -hmm. within this market. Um, and then, you know, one, once we feel like we're more well-penetrated within this market, um, we'll have a decision to make about, you know, how do we expand? Um, it's not clear to me that Kaggle has, if you look at the, the advantages of Kaggle, um, you know, it's the, the community uh, that we have. And so all the features that we build, we try and make sure that they're leveraging our community. So Kaggle Kernels, um, we think is going to be the most powerful workbench because um, you don't have to start from a blinking cursor, but if you want to do sentiment analysis on tweets, for example, um, you can search for it and then fork somebody else's code and modify it. Um, that's an advantage we have as a result of having a community um, that we that um, that we wouldn't have if we didn't have a community. Um, the next is uh, Kaggle's public data platform. So anyone on Kaggle can share any data set. Uh, yeah. And so we're building up a large repository of data sets. Um, with, the, with a GUI-based interface, it's not really clear what Kaggle adds um, okay. or brings, brings to the table that, you know, companies like Looker and Tableau and others who are except, have done an exceptionally good job, it's not clear what we bring that others aren't already doing a good job of. And mm -hmm. so, you know, unless we thought we had a unique insight or a unique way to do it or, or something that leveraged our community, we'd probably... Um, if we were going down that path, we'd probably partner with a Tableau or a Looker 
as opposed sure. to building it ourselves. So let me uh, kind of uh, delve a bit in in each of these products uh, which which you mentioned, and uh, let's let's start with competitions. So again, uh, you know, one of the things I read uh, was that uh, post acquisition from Google, you you're swamped with the number of requests uh, for the competitions. So uh, how do you choose which which competitions to host, which one to delay, and then which competitions eventually make make to the platform? We actually don't really choose other than if it's a fit for the platform, i.e. the problem is well specified, the data is large enough, um, it's a supervised machine learning problem, uh, then we we say yes. The the only issue we have is that um, because we have a lot of um, additional demand, um, uh, the queue is longer to get your competition launched. Um, We've been hiring, we have a a bunch of new people starting. and so, um, you know, with those new people, with the new people starting, um, we'll be able to launch more competitions. We also have um, uh, um, been hiring for on the engineering side as well. We have some ideas around competitions um, that we think could um, really um, um, change the nature of competitions. So, a couple of things that you'll see us working on over the next twelve to eighteen months. One is the idea of self-service competitions, particularly for um, uh, academic researchers and possibly in- internal inside companies as well, where um, uh, uh, you know those who um, feel they can set their competition up for themselves, they get a self-serve kind of environment and that will allow them to uh, launch their competition without us. Um, we won't, we probably won't give ranking points um, mm-hmm. for those competitions um, because um, you know, there may be problems like leakage. We haven't checked them. Um, but uh, uh, at least it will give our community, you know, more. If they want to work on a cutting-edge research problem from, you know, a professor at X university, we want to make that opportunity available. Um, the other kind of thing that we're working on with competitions is um, competitions using Kaggle kernels. We've run a few of them, um, but we want to um, make the support for kernels competitions to be much stronger. And that allows us to do things like time series competitions, for instance, which are all, have always been difficult for us. Um, you can imagine like a competition to predict the stock market where you're slowly feeding in, you know, you're feeding in daily data um, and evaluating the competition on the data as it comes in. Uh, that's something we can do with a competition that uh, requires people to upload code rather than uh, just a results file. Um, um, you know, looking at things like reinforcement learning competitions, um, looking at things like um, competitions on with constrained compute. Uh, these are all things that uh, competitions in Kaggle kernels allows us to do. So those are things you, you'll see coming on the competition platform over the next 12 to 18 months. Interesting, interesting. In fact, these uh, there were some of the questions related to these, uh, uh, which I had uh, planned later, but uh, interesting. So I'll, I'll probably come back to one or two points again. But uh, uh, typically, you know, uh, uh, in, in this uh, process, how, how long does it take uh, for you to kind of bring a competition onto the uh, platform uh, uh, currently? So, so let's say if you have an interest, how, how long does it take before a competition gets released? And uh, and how do you decide about the duration of the competition, etc.? Um, so it, it depends. Um, um, the kind of things that have to happen before um, a competition is launched is, first of all, um, we have to look at the problem and the data to make sure it's a fit. We have to get a contract in place uh, with the company hosting the competition. Um, we have to um, then work with them on the data to get it into the, into the right format. So with a training set and a test set, we have to pick an evaluation metric. Mm-hmm. Um, so with a company that is um, quite sophisticated, that you know understands how competitions work, um, and that you know where the legal um, ha- uh, goes through very quickly, you know it can take as little as a month or six weeks. Sure. Um, with a competition with a company that's newer, that you know where we have to keep requesting changes to the data, um, it can take much much longer. Uh, you know, say five months, um, and that's not including uh, the current queue that we have to look at problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
ओके गॉट इट एंड व्हाट अबाउट रिसर्च बेस्ड कंपटीशन सो इज देयर समवन हु इज काइंड ऑफ ऑन द लुकआउट टू टू फाइंड व्हिच कुड बी लेट्स से इंटरेस्टिंग डेटा सेट्स टू ब्रिंग ऑन टू द पोर्टल हाउ हाउ डू दे कम कम ऑन टू द पोर्टल या आई आई से दैट राइट नाउ कैगल्स गेट बिल्डिंग मोर एंड मोर ऑफ अ रेप्यूटेशन इन रिसर्च सो वी आर गेटिंग मोर रिसर्चर्स कमिंग टू अस द अदर थिंग दैट्स हेल्पफुल इज and Kaggle reports into Feifei Lee uh, who who created ImageNet. Yeah. Um and so Feifei um you know has a really good understanding of what sort of academic de- data sets are around um and she knows a lot of the the researchers uh behind those data sets. And so mm-hmm. Feifei has been a wonderful connector for us. Um uh as far as um um you know introducing us to those who who uh, might be interested in running competitions. um as i said i think that our our footprint in research will become much bigger once we have the self serve service competitions where um people can you know go in load their competitions put in their evaluation metric and they don't have to um uh, deal with us and uh in one of the you know uh questions which uh, commonly gets asked uh, uh, is you know application of these competitions back in the industry and uh, netflix gets quoted uh, quite often uh, on that as well so uh, how do you a- ensure that you know the work which is happening through the community or gets used to the to a, a large degree uh, when it goes back to the industry yeah by far there are several issues the biggest one um, by far um, this is the one that comes up with the with respect to netflix is that the competitions uh, the winning results end up being quite complex yeah. um you know people might ensemble five different models together um and a company doesn't want to or need to uh, put into production such a complex model um that's probably the biggest one um we handle that in two ways first of all we try and run the competitions you remember the netflix prize ran for two years or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even longer i forget um but over two let's say over two years um our competitions typically don't run for more than three months um so that limits that makes it harder um that makes the comp the results um quite a bit less over engineered and a bit less complex. Mm-hmm. Second um is that we this is a subtle point but we don't allow teams to merge in the last week of the competition. Um mm-hmm. now the reason for that is when you have team mergers when you have team mergers at the end of a competition people just join their models together in the last minute to see if that will help them mm-hmm. win the competition. Yeah. Uh that was exactly what happened in the Netflix prize. Um whereas if you ban team mergers the week before it prevents that um last minute scramble to merge models together from happening. Um and then the final thing we do which is probably the most important is um when winners present their results uh to their their customer um we ask them to not only present their full results but also pre- to present a simplified version of their model you know along the way to creating a you know five different ensembles. Mm-hmm. uh they had a simpler model that was doing well and we asked them also to share that simpler model um just so when the customer goes to implement the winning solution they don't just have uh the very complex model but they also have um a good understanding for how to strip it back um and make it uh simpler mm-hmm. um i would say um just as an aside that one of the things we're very excited about with kernels only competitions um is this idea of constraining compute so that um if we constrain the compute then people have to uh will have to um uh build simpler models um we ran a, a kernels only competition with macari um and that competition the, the models were much much simpler uh, than the models from the regular competitions mm-hmm. uh, so that'll be a fourth thing that we're doing in the you know as a regular as, as a regular thing uh going forward interesting and some of these new formats which you are mentioning like uh, the one on reinforcement learning or uh, even possibly uh, the compute constraint problems uh, or other thoughts which i had was maybe competitions asking people to create gans uh, these competitions would uh, primarily rely on kernels to kind of uh, uh, you know run the competitions because uh, they need a very different kind of setup Right? Yeah, is yeah, that's right. So the results run people would run their results in Kaggle kernels um uh as opposed to downloading the 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 data training the model locally and then uploading it. 
Um, and, you know, that was a hard thing for us to do up until recently. It's, we're now at the point where Cackle Kernels is a, one, a really nice environment. It has almost all the features that anyone uh, mm -hmm. doing data science machine learning could want. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's now, you know, whereas historically um, it was a downgrade from people's local experience, it's now a pretty good match for people's local experience, which makes it possible for us to start doing this. Right, that's true. And uh, as part of this, when do we see, for example, let's say TPUs coming coming up and then people being able to uh, kind of play with them? Yeah, I mean, we have a, a big roadmap for Kaggle kernels. We want to make it them more and more and more powerful. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things we're targeting for the second half of the year is is making TPUs available uh, to our community. Uh, we launched GPUs a couple of months ago. Um, um, we'll launch uh, TPUs, yeah, as I said, hopefully in the second mm -hmm. half of the year. Um, the, um, a couple of other things just to give people a sense for where Kaggle Kernels is going. Um, the idea is that Kaggle Kernels will be totally free um, or the aim is for them to be free for, you know, a certain amount of compute, probably roughly equivalent to what you get on your laptop. Um, and then um, over time, you know, for the accelerators like GPUs and TPUs, um, uh, but that will be a, you know, that will be a, a paid for extra. Um, um, and so this, what this, and I, want, I like to set people's expectations on that. Um, you know, at the moment we have GPUs in beta uh, for free, but it's yeah. uh, um, as much as we'd like to, it's not sustainable. Uh, mm -hmm. GPUs are expensive, so it's not sustainable for us to give them away. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Makes sense. And uh, one of the trends which has been there in competitions and industry in general is, you know, the amount of data which uh, which is being released and uh, which needs to be processed upon uh, for some of the competitions, especially the ones which uh, where deep learning algorithms do much better. Do you also see a specific uh, kind of competitions coming in where maybe the initial data is not as huge, but people need to become smarter with, uh, uh, you know, uh, y using data more effectively and uh, and maybe augmenting data with new out-of-box strategies to, to kind of uh, help companies or, or problems where the data collection is not as much, but, but they are important problems to solve. Yeah, I think that's already the case, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, machine learners always want, always, particularly using deep neural networks, always want more data. And if you look at some of the strategies that top performers in our competitions use, um, very often uh, they're doing data augmentation of some, some sort. I mean, one very common uh, thing that we see is, um, let's say it's an image recognition problem. Um, people will uh, do, 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 will, yeah, well, they'll do all sorts of things. They'll rotate it, they'll add a color filter, to make it, you know, they'll, they'll sort of change where the center of the image is. Uh, and the idea there is to, is to, I guess, try and fool the algorithm into thinking that they, they have more data or more examples to train on. So that's something that's already happening. And um, when people take clever approaches to data augmentation, um, you know, that often gives them a big boost in the competition. Um, so, yes, um, I, I think we'll see, as I said, more richer kinds of uh, co competitions uh, going forward. But um, some of what you talk about with data augmentation is already happening. The other thing I would, um, I'd say is that, you know, some competitions like the Zillow Prize Part 2 mm -hmm. actually allows people to go out and find other data sources um, to, to join to mm -hmm. uh, the, the data source that the competition is running on. Um, right. um, so that's, um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's possible in some competitions as well. And yeah, that sits well with your uh, open data set platform uh, as well. So. Yeah, exactly. It does. Um, the, the, two, uh, the two will work nicely together. Yeah, interesting. So that kind of is a good point to uh, talk about some of the recent, uh, you know, additional things which are happening to kind of uh, build the community or help people learn. So uh, over the last, you know, six to 12 months, uh, Kaggle has uh, launched the Learn platform. There have been uh, these kind of online webinars or workshops around, you know, uh, helping people learn data cleaning, for example. And then there was a career con as well. So what your thoughts on that space so uh, as you mentioned uh, it's, it's primarily to bring more people into the Kaggle ecosystem or uh, I mean uh, uh, was this uh, one of the needs from the community I mean how, how did this happen and what do you want to 
do with that in future? Yeah, sure. So, so first of all, um, you know, we believe that uh, let's say there are two million data scientists in the world today. I'm not sure exactly how many there are, but that <laughs> seems like a reasonable number. Um, um, and let's say there are going to be ten million in the next decade. Um, if if those numbers are roughly right, there are going to be more data scientists. Um, most of the world's data scientists in ten years aren't data scientists today. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, they they need to learn from somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. As I said to you earlier, when you asked about the GUI-based analytics, we're not going to create anything um, that we think are, you know other companies are, are going to do a better job of. Um, mm-hmm. The reason we um, created Learn is because we actually felt like there was a gap um, in the in the market. So, mm-hmm. as I said, you can do a Coursera course or a um, um, a Udacity course, and those are very good. They're you know much longer courses. Um, our objective is really just to give you the basics as quickly as possible, so that yeah. you, you can get started very quickly on a project. Right. Um, yeah. um, our objective is not for you to do a long course. Um, and so you, you know, one way you could think about it is you've got university courses which are. Um, you know, up four years. Um, and the problem with university courses is by the time you finish the course, um, this field is changing so quickly, your knowledge is probably out of date. Um, and Udacity are uh, certainly trying to do a better job with their nano d- degrees, which are much, much shorter. So you learn, um, you learn, let's say, over, over six months. And so the chances that at the end of the six months, everything you know is out of date is much lower. Um, um, with uh, Kaggle Learn, our aim is for you to learn in a couple of hours. Like, just get the basics and then and then you can go out and start playing and learning for yourself. Um, um, so we're not going to teach you everything uh, that you'll learn in a, um, you know, co- co- a full co- Udacity nano degree, but you'll learn the things you need to know to get started uh, and then the idea is uh, most of your subsequent learning will be learning by doing. Got it, got it. So that's how it fits in. And and we can do this in a way, you know, Udacity and Coursera need to keep people on their website, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with Kaggle Learn, um, yeah. our incentive is really to give people the shortest course possible so that they can go out and have fun on other parts of Kaggle. Yeah. Uh, so we, we sort of have a bit of a difference in terms <laughs> of incentive. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, great. Uh, the... Next thing which I wanted to kind of uh, touch upon was, you know, your view on uh, open source data science uh, and then, you know, uh, what do you think is likely to happen in, let's say, next two to five years? How how are some of the open source initiatives going to shape up? And then what role can Kaggle play in accelerating that? Yeah, I, I would say one of, the, one of the things that Kaggle has helped with is um, we've helped uh, different um, uh, algorithms and open source uh, packages um, get critical mass of adoption. So I'll give you a couple yeah, of examples. Was one such case. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. XGBoost is a famous case where uh, Tianqi Chen from the University of Washington created XGBoost and he put lots of examples on Kaggle. Um, and before long, um, all this, the structured data problems went from being one by random forest to one by XGBoost. It just totally took off. Um, Subsequently, we've had, I lose track of them now, LightGBM out of Microsoft Research, and I think there's one called CatBoost, and there's a bunch of other variants of gradient boosting machines that have done well on Kaggle. Um, On the neural network side, by far the strongest um, uh, neural neural network framework on Kaggle is Keras, which runs on top of TensorFlow. Mm-hmm. Um, Francois Cholet, who created Keras, um, was very active in the Kaggle community, sort of doing well yeah. in competitions using Keras, putting lots of examples up. Um, so I would say that Kaggle is a very good way, to the extent that somebody does have a new approach, new package that they want to promote. Um, uh, once it takes off on, on Kaggle, it takes off very quickly within the community. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it doesn't take long it's to spread out beyond the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one, one of the things that Kaggle, yeah, I'm really proud of uh, with Kaggle is that we help show what really works and then we help that spread. I was just going to say, you asked what's coming. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to answer that. I look at Kaggle as sort of somewhere between, you know, the... the um, package authors and the academics um, are creating and trying new, new algorithms and new implementations 
um, and then they make their way to Kaggle and then uh, they, are, they either spread or they don't. Uh, but we're, we're probably, you know, I, put, I say we're a half step behind um, the cutting edge research and we're the place where the cutting edge research goes to get spread. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And, uh, and uh, do you think that, uh, you know, uh, there might be a uh, benefit in maybe structuring some of these scripts which people write on Kaggle uh, and then kind of uh, helping them uh, convert into libraries and, and then, uh, you know, releasing it on Kaggle kernels itself could be, could be one of the ways to kind of uh, promote this even further? Yeah, I certainly think, I mean, both Francoise and Tiang Tichen um, use Kaggle kernels to demonstrate Keras and to demonstrate um, XGBoost. Um, I think that my general view is that um, the, the packages that we currently have, you know, things like Scikit-Learn and XGBoost and, and Keras are at the right level of abstraction. Um, really, the thing extra you get from Kaggle kernels is you see examples of how to implement those algorithms. And so, as I said before, um, uh, you want to take somebody's take tweets about your Twitter profile and do sentiment analysis, or mentions of your Twitter profile or a company's Twitter profile and do sentiment analysis mm-hmm. uh, on those tweets. Um, you'll find an example of how somebody, how many other people have to, have tackled that problem, um, and so you can look through those examples. You can find an implementation you like. You can fork it and you can modify it to your purpose. Um, that's what I think is really powerful. You know, Stack Overflow, a lot of us spend a lot of time on Stack Overflow because you see examples, um, you know, how something is implemented. Well, Kaggle Kernels is even more powerful for data science because uh, not only do you see examples, but you have examples that you can easily execute. Um, mm-hmm. So you can, you can hit click fork and you can play with that example. It's not just a, an example that you read through. That's where I see Kaggle Kernels is fitting in. You know, there is this possibility that long-term... Um, we could allow our community to turn their algorithms, you know, their kernels into to an API endpoint um, um, and, you know, have like an algorithm marketplace. Um, if we were to do something like that, I think it's an exciting idea. It would be a, a fair way down the track. It's not something uh, that we're currently working on. And, and you're among various industries uh, which are out there, which uh, might benefit the most with, uh, you know, making data more open and then uh, which which of these industries do you th- think would uh, would see a good acceleration in coming, let's say, two to five years uh, because of some of the uh, open source initiatives which are going on? I mean, when we, if you're talking about open data, when we look, um, speak to companies, very few of them are using data sets other than their own uh, data mm-hmm. sets. And the reason being is that it's quite hard to find data. It's quite hard to join uh, to external yeah. data sets. And these are all problems that Kaggle hopes to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through the public data platform, you could imagine, for instance, that if a company loads in their data, we could recommend a join, um, for instance. So let's say... Um, I don't know, it's Walmart and they're trying to figure out where to open a store, stores next year. Mm-hmm. Um, we could suggest they join to census data and house price data and, and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, make it very easy to do so. Um, so those are. So my hope is that um, um, in having an, a public data platform and ha- having that be easily um, easy to join local data sets to public data sets um, that w- will allow companies to use uh, public data much more comprehensively than they currently do. You know, I think, again, it's going to require a lot of work, but, you know, we have exciting plans in this area and, and uh, um, yeah, if we're successful, I think more and more uh, companies and industries will um, will get benefit from, from outside data sets. Sure. No, I, I seriously think there is a big opportunity, but uh, yeah, it, it needs a structural change in the way things are there today, at least. True. Uh, coming to you know your uh, views about uh, let's say some of the things coming up in future. So, uh, so how do you see uh, data science evolving in let's say next two years and then over the next five years? So, how do you see the domain would open up? I like the, there's the William Gibson quote, you know, very often used um, around the technology industry about the future is already here. It's just not widely distributed. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that um, companies like Google do extremely well um, that is not done much in the, you know, outside of the elite tech companies is um, putting algorithms into production and getting them to make end-to-end decisions. And my suspicion is the vast majority of the the data science work that happens um, 
outside of you know, companies like Google is not productionizing algorithms, but rather looking at data and al- analyzing data and using it to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard that type of data science is called type one data science, where yeah, you're you're analyzing data and making a decision off that data. Type two data science is um, you know the the is, as I've heard it spoken about is um, get, getting models into production and having the models automatically make decisions. And that's mm-hmm. something that really is not happening very much at the moment um, mm-hmm. outside of places like Google. And, uh, you know, my suspicion is that more and more and more of that will start happening over the next uh, five, 10 years. Got it. Got it. Interesting. And uh, uh, the other aspect linked to to that time frame is, you know, a lot of talk uh, happening around uh, AI and its impact on jobs. And uh, uh, I saw your TED talk where you said that machines will take over any job which is happening at a very high frequency. Uh, so uh, can you can you tell your views in a bit more detail? How uh, what time frames do you think we are talking about? And uh, you know what what would be the impact? of AI in, let's say, coming years? Yeah. I mean, it's, as I said, I think it relies on us, um, on companies starting to um, use algorithms uh, more, more and more for actual decision-making. I think for now, still machine learning is relatively lightly used in, in making direct decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, hard, really hard to predict a time frame. Um, but, yeah, my view is um, that to the extent that a decision is made again and again and again, um, uh, that algorithms are going to be well positioned to make those decisions. The examples I give are things like, you know, very obviously um, radiology. Cowboys done lots and lots of radiology competitions now, uh, and uh, all but the hardest cases does a very nice job. You know, machine learning now does a very nice job on those problems. Um, things like, um, you know, accounting, auditing. You know, most things that an auditor does are relatively repetitive and fairly. Uh, mundane, looking at, um, you know, boilerplate legal contracts. Um, these are the kinds of things that machines will do, like like NDAs. Machines will do a nice job of reviewing NDAs. It won't necessarily need a lawyer. So those are um, examples of uh, things that I think machines will do a good job on. Um, it just takes time. I think a lot of, in a lot of cases the technology is there, um, um, but the, the products that take the raw technology and, and uh, get them out into industry um, are not there. And probably one of the biggest opportunities um, for machine learning um, over the next or machine learning businesses are, are to take specific applications or specific verticals um, and build, um, you know, build a product around a machine learning algorithm. Um, you know, the, the business model is slightly challenging, but if you can get... Um, uh, you know, lots and lots of um, um, examples of audits, for instance. Uh, the more audits you see, the more the better the algorithm will be at spotting anomalies in audits. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes for a nice business because um, you get defensibility. Um, it's hard for somebody to come up and disrupt your business if you've created, um, if you've got more data and your algorithms are trained on more data and therefore you have more customers, which gives you more additional data. Um, so I think there's a big business opportunity in taking applications of machine learning and building out um, end-to-end products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice to you know people who are uh, looking to enter into data science or who want to enter into data science and machine learning? What would be your advice to to those people? My my advice is going to be fairly fairly biased, but I. Uh, uh, I, I would say that um, Cattle is a wonderful place to hang out for a whole lot of reasons. First of all, it's very rare in that it's a place to learn and get credentialed. Yeah. Um, you know, there are other places to learn like uh, Coursera and Udacity. And you can take those courses and you, you put the certificate on your LinkedIn, but I'm not sure that employers pay very much attention to the certificate. Um, if you do well, start doing well in Kaggle competitions, uh, if you start writing great kernels, um, we see top Kagglers getting jobs everywhere from Airbnb to DeepMind to, um, you know, Lyft to a lot of the really um, the really great companies that are taking machine learning and data science most seriously are hiring uh, very aggressively from, uh, from out of our community. And so um, really you can do everything 
um, involved in starting your data science journey on Kaggle from having um, starting off with projects, you know, using Kaggle Learn to get the basics, um, t tackling some projects after you've, um, you know, you've spent some time on Kaggle Learn, tackling those early projects. Uh, and then once you start to get to the point where you're, 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 uh, you're getting proficient, um, you'll build up a portfolio of projects that you can demonstrate to an employer uh, your abilities. Uh, so that that uh, you know covers uh, what I kind of wanted to uh, ask. Uh, what I have is uh, uh, you know, uh, and we are also kind of uh, almost uh, uh, coming to the end in terms of time as well. What I had is uh, you know a few rapid fire questions which I would want you to answer uh, uh, based on whatever comes first in your mind. Uh, and then we take so uh, what is one competition which you wanted to host but uh, haven't hosted it till date on on the hotel? um i'm passionate about weather um and i would love to host a weather forecasting uh, mm -hmm. competition um to see the power of uh, a lot of weather models are physics-based models and i think it'd be interesting to have a competition um that demonstrates you know whether statistical or machine learning models how they perform against um uh, physics-based models. I find that very interesting. Um, if you have a look at my profile on Kaggle, I've imported a lot of weather data sets. I bring in a lot of weather data sets. Uh, it just happens to be something that's uh, interesting to me. So that's, that's the one that comes to mind. Okay, great. And what has been the most uh, satisfying or the most fulfilling moment in, in the entire Kaggle journey till date? I mean, when I reflect on the Kaggle journey and the things that I think we've done uh, that are positive for the world, there are two that come to mind. Um, the, what, the first is that, um, you know, when Kaggle started, people were using all sorts of machine learning techniques, self-organizing maps and support vector machines and genetic algorithms and lots and lots of things you don't see very often anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, there was no real consensus as to what kind of machine learning techniques were um, most powerful. Um, and um, I think Kaggle has helped make it very clear um, which techniques work and which ones don't. Yeah. Um, and in doing that, I think we've made machine learning more, um, you know, machine learning was a bit of a backwater of, a, you know, science um, when Kaggle started. And I think we have helped make machine learning more effective by helping spread which techniques really work and which ones don't. Um, you know, everyone writes, there's an you do an academic paper and everyone writes that my algorithm performs at X results. Uh, but you never know, like, is that overfit or have they picked a stylized example that works well for that algorithm? You never really know, whereas Kaggle has helped make it clear uh, what works and what doesn't. Um, the second thing I'm proud of, which is less significant but I think also useful, um, is through our competitions, um, it's impossible to overfit in our competitions um, because we have... Uh, two test data sets, one where we show people results on the public leaderboard and one where we rescore uh, yeah. people's uh, right. results on a second test data set. And what we find is a lot of people overfit um, when they first compete in a Kaggle competition. Um, yeah. They overfit to the public leaderboard. Um, yeah. And these are people who have good jobs or, you know, well-known researchers. Um, and we, we have taught how problematic overfitting is. Yeah. I often wonder... You know, given how often we see first-time Kaggle's overfit, I often wonder um, how many of the world's algorithms that are in production are overfit. Um, and I think we have done a really nice job inadvertently of teaching people how problematic overfitting is and how careful they have to be to avoid it. Correct. No, I completely uh, agree with that. In fact, till the time I kind of uh, participated in a few Kaggle competitions and then saw that uh, happening in real life, I, I also had the same reflection that you know we don't put so much uh, or we at least didn't used to put so much uh, emphasis on things like cross-validation and a lot of times the uh, validation set was not kind of reflected back with the same rigor so uh, so you're, you're pretty spot on in terms of the kind of impact or at least the, the understanding which people have now about the impact of uh, overfitting versus kind of having a good validation in place uh agree uh my next question is uh, uh what is one thing you would want to change in in the kaggle journey um probably the name of the company uh <laughs> kaggle sounds like uh, uh pelvic floor exercises um that people talk about kaggle exercises and i i didn't know i was from australia where it's pronounced kaggle but in america 
It's mm-hmm. pronounced k- k- Kegel. It yeah. sounds like pelvic floor exercises. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, by the time I realised that people were making this association, the community was already too big and it would have been painful to rebrand. Correct. Correct. Interesting. And uh, if it was not uh, Kaggle, what would you be doing now? Yeah, I don't know. It's... it's uh, it's a good question. Um, it's it's kind of hard to imagine. Um, mm-hmm. um, I probably would be um, a data scientist or a machine learner um, um, at a company I found interesting. I mean, one problem I've always found with, I mentioned to you my first job at the Australian Treasury was forecasting GDP, inflation and unemployment. The problem I always had with that job is the data sets are small and they're very noisy. I wanted to work on um, richer, more more real-world data sets. And so I probably would be working at a company uh, as a data scientist um, working on data set data that I found interesting. Who knows, maybe maybe I'd be uh, uh, working for the Weather Bureau uh, using machine <laughs> learning algorithms. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that sounds interesting. And uh, and what ne- what's next for you uh, and then maybe Kaggle in general? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm proud of um, our journey so far. In that, um, we started out with competitions, then we moved on to Kaggle Kernels, the public data platform. Um, more recently, Kaggle Learn. I'm proud of how we're expanding out. Um, each of those products, I think, has a lot of potential. Um, um, so we don't plan to launch new products in the near term, uh, but really make these products. Um, you know, when we first launched either of the all of them. They were sort of, or they were sort of more of a toy, like something to play around with. Um, we want to make them stronger and stronger, and more and more and more powerful. Um, you know, the public data platform, for instance, at the moment is mostly you know, fun hobbyist data sets. One of the big focuses there is to start to bring in, um, start to import really nicely formatted versions of a lot of the data sets that people would be most interested in joining to. Um, you know, that's a big focus. Um, as I said, with Kaggle kernels, uh, allowing you to scale up and down compute easily um, uh, so you can train your model and then scale down when you don't need to, uh, making that um, even more seamless than it is today. Um, you know, making it, um, improving the, the security and, uh, and the authentication uh, for companies that allows them to use Kaggle kernels as their workbench, um, you know, adding more and more, um, and a, a granular permissions, for instance, uh, that allows companies to decide, you know, who sees what data, um, th- those sort of things, you know, really, really making um, Kaggle kernels the place where uh, data scientists and machine learners, uh, as I said, can wake up in the morning and it's the first place they go and, you know, mm-hmm. close down at night. It's the last thing they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and making making data science more fun, making them more productive, um, better at their jobs, able to learn more. Um, the profession of data science and machine learning is stronger as a result of Kaggle existing than if we didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, great, great. That, that uh, sounds exciting, and it is exciting. Uh, I mean, uh, the amount of learning uh, which people have had with Kaggle, using Kaggle for uh, you know, uh, starting with competitions to kernels is is immense. And, and as I said initially, I have personally learned a lot from Kaggle, and uh, uh, and then it it, it brings uh, a lot of uh, things which uh, uh, I mean, I, I truly can't imagine how the world would have been without Kaggle if if there wasn't a platform like. Like that so so a lot uh, a big thanks for uh, creating this and uh, you know enabling these things uh, for the community and uh, uh, I truly enjoyed the interaction.